It is a clear sign of a state that is not a proper democracy when it does not regard its citizens as full participant members of the decision-making processes that govern it. Now, of course, we can't all be involved in every decision that a parliament or a government makes. That would not be practical, full stop. But it is certainly the case that we should expect the government to listen to us when we have something to say. And governments that don't, governments, in other words, that suppress all forms of participation by their citizenry, especially that which takes the form of dissent or criticism, are clearly not treating their citizens as if they are members of the governing party or the governing body or of the citizenry on whose behalf all government is supposed to operate. Of course, historically, there have been simply crazy notions like the divine right of kings and the notion that monarchs are somehow born with a, an entitlement to treat their citizens as chattels. But I think we've grown up and, and beyond that even if there are still some constitutional monarchies in the world, including that in the United Kingdom. But the notion that I am going to give my approval and even my support to an external authority, including a government, without being involved in the decisions that it makes and the things that it says, is self-evidently, ha-ha, silly. John Lucas, who I've mentioned before in these notes, makes the point, and it's an important point in his Democracy and Participation, that a great many people, perhaps even a significant majority of people, don't really want to participate in the processes of government. They want instead to get on with living their lives and leave the sometimes difficult and painful decisions of government to others. That, I think, is a statement of the facts, but is hardly a very satisfactory state of affairs, because if someone is to be a proper citizen of a country, he or she should feel involved, if not actually participant in, the governing processes. Of course, most people, to some extent, do. One need only consider the sort of strife that accompanies a referendum such as we had in the United Kingdom on Brexit to see just how passionately some people at least do feel on these matters. But it is an incontestable fact that the percentage of the electorate that votes in most general elections doesn't come very much higher than about 70%, if that. And in some countries that think of themselves as even more democratic, it's even less. So, 
What do we learn from this? Well, one of the things that I think we need to unmake sense of, if I can use that expression here, is the notion of separation between ourselves and the things that we give our support and allegiance to. In other words, I don't give my support to an authority as something that lies over there in a different place. If I'm going to give my support at all, then it needs to be in a way that entails my involvement in some sense, perhaps albeit very small, in that process or in the activities and decisions of whatever it is to which I'm giving my support and my choice of allegiance. If that's not the case, if I just say, oh, I'll vote Tory or Labour or Liberal once every four or five years and otherwise express no interest in politics and make no attempt to follow politics at all, then that is a thoroughly unworthy kind of involvement. It's not really involvement at all. I express my preference on the basis largely of ignorance and not a little indifference. No doubt there are people who vote like that, who always vote one way or the other because that's what they've always done and do so unthinkingly. But to that extent, our democracy is impoverished. Now, in a version of this note that I deleted, I talked about a duty to participate, a duty to be involved. And I didn't like the word duty because it suggests something coming from an external source, a kind of moral code or a law of the universe. What I meant, and what I now want to say explicitly, is that there is only really one legitimate kind of participation and involvement, and therefore only one legitimate way to choose to support something, which is to do so wholeheartedly and with a view to being involved in it. I don't choose things and then express no further interest in them. That's not choice. That doesn't involve me. It doesn't, as you might say, fill a vacancy in a valency or offer any opportunity for the trivalent kind of happiness whereby who I am is fulfilled in some sense by my allegiance to and support of some other authority, which we repeat again, is necessary because we can't all be experts on everything. But we can't either relinquish the responsibility to be sensible and discerning in the people or the organisations or the authorities to which we give allegiance. If you consider political systems, they are almost exactly divided in half according to whether those who govern welcome the participation, the involvement and implicitly 
the criticism and sometimes the dissent of the governed. If they are inclusive, and a democracy has to be inclusive, then that dissent or that support or that criticism is made by a member of the citizenry in whose name all government governs. In monarchies, that wasn't true until they became constitutional. The monarch was absolute. But that is no more than a stage in the evolution of our political maturity. Now we should see our involvement and the readiness of a government to listen to us as an essential and non-negotiable part of being a member of a mature democracy. So where we look around the world and see governments that do not welcome dissent and sometimes suppress it, governments who do not welcome genuine debate or challenges to their authority, there we can clearly see a situation where the citizenry are divided from the government and rather than the government acting on behalf of the citizenry, it is rather acting over against them. And yes, of course it will say that it is acting on behalf of its citizens and some may even go so far as to say that they are acting in the very best interests of their citizens and that nothing else could possibly do the job as well. But we can read that and take it with the usual pinch of salt. Well, you would say that, wouldn't you? So, we find ourselves in the situation where we come to an inclusive understanding of the nature of affirmation and approval. What I described in episode 33 as our readiness to give responsible assent to and support to external authorities, which is essential, cannot be understood properly without the element of involvement, without the sense that I am also, we are also, participants in the processes to which we give assent. And therefore, it is not a matter of saying, I will believe in this like something over there. It's it, I will believe in this as something that I am a member of, and involved in something that I commit to and which in however small a way becomes a part of my constitution, becomes a part of who I am. And if I'm not prepared to give my assent responsibly in that sense, then I am not really giving it in a mature and responsible sense that will stand scrutiny.